Faith and Reason Podcasts, new media for the new evangelization from Franciscan University of Steubenville. Find more at faithandreason.com. Mariana, I work for an organization called The Culture Project. Can I see a show of hands if you've heard of The Culture Project before? Yes. How many of you have heard me speak before? You came back. You, right there. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> That's not the best turnaround rate, but we won't talk about it. Okay. <laughs> Guys, I'm really excited to be here tonight. I'm actually an alum as well. I graduated in 2013, so not that long ago. And right after graduation, I immediately joined the most incredible mission in the world. I tell everybody, I'm like, I don't know what you thought you wanted to do for a living, but you should stop wanting to do that and start wanting to be a Culture Project missionary. It's like an obnoxious, rude plug. But so (laughs) thanks for laughing at my jokes. (laughs) Uh, We are a nonprofit. We're a missionary organization, and we live in community. We are a group of young adults, and we travel around the country sharing the messages of human dignity and sexual integrity with our culture. We really believe that as young people, we have the unique, like, the unique ability, the unique gift to witness to our world in a way that no one else does. We believe that we have the ability to set the example in our world of what it looks like to have a culture rooted in virtue. And we believe that virtue is what is going to restore our culture and our communities. So that's a little bit about our organization and what we do. Uh, I myself have, like I said, I've been working here for the Culture Project since graduation, so this is my fourth active year of ministry, which is really exciting. That makes me like a a senior in Culture Project world. Um, But not enough of you laughed at that. You need to work on the the response. Thank you. Much better. Okay. (laughs) So long story short, we're here to talk about dating, right? Dating is a really simple, really straightforward, like everyone always knows exactly what they're doing when it comes to dating relationships, right? Yeah, uh, awkward. Okay, so <laughs> I would just, I would love to get kind of a read on my audience. I would love to know a little bit more about you since you know something about me. If you, if you could raise your hand if you are currently rocking the single life. You know, if you are, yes, all right, right, okay. <laughs> hands down, hands down, okay. Raise your hand if you're currently dating someone. Okay, hands down. Some of you looked at each other all dewy-eyed, that's cute. Um, <laughs> Raise your hand if you're dating someone in this room. Okay, a couple of, aw, look, you're so, so cute. You're so, oh, they didn't raise their hands. You guys need to talk. So, <laughs> raise your hand if you have a crush on someone in this room. Oh, awkward, okay, sorry. That's like a terrible thing to do to people. That's so, some, some of you are like, I am brave, okay. <laughs> I will talk to her after this. Um, Guys, that was a terrible thing to do to anyone, right? Because let's face it, when it comes to having a crush on someone, our hearts are torn in half. We simultaneously, like, become uh, not obsessed because that would be creepy, but they're the only thing you think about or want to talk about, right? So it's like, oh, maybe obsessed. So <laughs> we, we simultaneously can't think about anything else, can't talk about anyone else, but at the same time, it's like, don't tell them. <laughs> like, I want them to know, but I don't want them to find out because that would be terrible and wonderful, and I don't understand my feelings. So <laughs> there's, there's a reason that Facebook has an it's complicated, right? And like, I'm not going to ask if any of you have ever actually set that status, but... Maybe, you know, I remember when they first put it up there, 
I remember thinking to myself, like, that's weird. Who would ever, who would ever say it's complicated? Like, people should define their relationships. And then I remember people asking me, you know, what, a, what's going on with you and so and so? And I'd be like, it's complicated. Okay. <laughs> Long story short, hearts are messy, right? Can I get some head nods if we are in agreement that hearts are messy? The human heart. That wasn't a nod, but you can. Okay, you were. He's like doing the chicken thing back there. <laughs> Okay, guys, the human heart is like the most beautiful and treacherous place in the in the world, right? Amen. <laughs> These girls, girl, if the girls like up front, if you want to start the amen corner for me, like the amen, or you get the glory grab if I say something you really like. Yes, thank you. Okay, amen, hallelujah. Come on. So my dad's a Protestant pastor, so I've like got, got the amen corner. I would love that. Um, okay, guys. We're here to talk about love and relationships and all of these crazy things that make us feel like we're crazy, right? And my guess is, how many of you are tired of hearing kind of lofty talks about how the ideal relationship should look if it just spontaneously comes into existence? And you would really love it if someone in the world would just tell you how to actually make that happen. Are there like people here who are looking for practical tips on life? Okay. Two brave souls over there. The rest of you just won't admit it. <laughs> okay, that's what we're gonna do tonight. We are gonna talk about some of those more, like the abstract concepts, because let's face it, we're Catholic, and we know that those abstract concepts that seem so distant are actually like they're, that philosophy and theology, it's at the heart of everything, and it's the foundation of everything. But then we're gonna get really practical and talk about what to do and what not to do. That's important too. <laughs> Okay, so the first thing that I want to acknowledge, when I asked, does it, like, who has a crush on someone in this room, some of your faces got like a little pale. I'm not going to say who, but you know, <laughs> like, and it's because this stuff can be scary, right? We live in a world that has offered us so many distortions, and there are so many messages that we're receiving about what love is supposed to look like, and about what dating is supposed to look like, and sexuality, and all of these things that are so it can be confusing and it can be overwhelming. It can be scary, if we're honest. It can be scary. And it's hard to admit that. It's hard to admit that we're scared. The first thing I wanna do is I just wanna go through very quickly some of the basic fears that I think we are all facing and struggling with that are keeping us from really throwing ourselves wholeheartedly into a relationship. And I don't just mean a relationship romantically, like the relationship, I mean, but those things that are keeping us from throwing ourselves into relationship, into communio, into relation with the other, including with God. So we're going to go through those things very briefly and just acknowledge them, call them out for what they are. And then I want to talk a little bit about that, that loftier vision. And you, I want you to bear with me. I know you're Franciscan students. I know you've heard it a million times. I was here. I was like, if one more person talks to me about love and skipping through fields of daisies, I'm going to throw stuff. So... <laughs> <laughs> right? These girls are nodding. They're like, yes, no more daisy talks. So <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about that vision, and then we're going to get really, really practical about what it looks like. Okay? Head nods if you're still with me. Good. Okay. So I'm going to speak to men and women separately for this section, and it's not because I think that, like, insert cultural disclaimers, right? It's not that one group is better than the other. It's literally just that our hearts are different, and we desire love in different ways, and we approach these things in different ways. And Satan attacks us 
in different ways. So the first thing that I want to do is I want to speak to my brothers, my brothers in this room, because there is a reality that this culture, and you're, you're aware of it, but this culture that we are constantly, the messages we're constantly receiving from the media and even from within our own friend groups, it's not supportive of authentic masculinity. And I think what's happened, when I, when I look at my friends and I talk to my, my like, brothers in Christ, what they're constantly communicating to me is that there is this insidious fear that is constantly attacking the men of God in this world. And it's the fear of failure. Now, not personally, but in an abstract way, can I get like some agreement if you're, yes, okay, the guys here are all like, yes, I get it. Don't talk about my fears. So, <laughs> girl, <laughs> you guys would growl in a much more masculine way. But we're, the, the brothers in my life are constantly expressing to me that if they were to name one thing that was holding them back, it's the fear of failure. Where does that come from? We know. We know that there is a father of lies and that he's constantly attacking men and women. But when he attacks the men, you as men of God, when he attacks you, what he throws at you is this idea that you will never be good enough. And that if only people really saw, they would lose all confidence in you. You're like, this is not a happy talk. I don't want to be here. <laughs> this lie that, that they would lose all confidence in you. And why does he do that? It's because he's terrified of you. That's a good thing. Right? <laughs> Satan is terrified of authentic masculinity. Just, because, just like he's terrified of authentic femininity. He's terrified of authentic masculinity because he knows that if one man in this room let alone all of the men in this room. If one man in this room were to take his eyes off of all of the fear and focus entirely on Jesus Christ, then thousands of souls would be one for the kingdom of God. So he throws this fear of failure. And that expresses itself in different ways. So men are called to boldness. And you know this. You know that your heart moves when something bold is asked of you. Men are called to boldness, and Satan presents in that subtle way to each and every one of us, but specifically to the guys. He presents this option of passivity. And it comes, it's, it's very quiet. Like, you could step up in this big way. You could put your heart on the line. You could put your life on the line. You could not hit the snooze button. You know, like he comes at us with all of these little things. But what it comes down to is those, those quiet reminders that he's throwing at us that it's okay if you just take the easy road right here. So boldness and passivity. There's the option of sacrificial love or the option of looking inward. And there's the option of um, giving yourself for the other or taking you guys are all like, I'm getting those faces like this is Franciscan woman. So <laughs> we've heard all of this stuff before. Why am I focusing on it? Because Satan knows that it takes two healthy whole people to go into a healthy and whole relationship. So he throws these lies at us 
to keep us from feeling like we have something to offer. And with the women, we struggle with those kind of those stereotypical lies, but they manifest in very personal ways. This concept that you're not beautiful enough. You're not worthy of sacrifice. For the guys, he tells you that you are capable of sacrifice. For us, it's that we're not worthy. These lies are thrown at us. And what we see over and over and over again is that these fears, they keep us from feeling the freedom that we are called to, the freedom that we've been gifted with, to to throw ourselves into authentic love. So for, for the women in this room, if we've been wounded, and we all have, then we simultaneously fear not being enough and being too much, right? This fear that we're not enough and that we're too much. So we're not enough to attract a guy. We're not enough to, um, we're not enough to be desirable. These are the lies that we hear. But at the same time, you're too much. So somehow, we as women are told that we have to figure out how to be the perfect balance of being just beautiful enough to attract him, but not so beautiful that he's intimidated, and being just clever enough to attract him, but not being so clever that he's intimidated, and all of these things, right? Girls, are you with me? Like, you've heard this stuff before? Yes. Okay. We're, the guys are like, wow. But yeah, the glory grab. Thank you, sir. Okay. What is that? These lies. So for the guys, it's like the, you're being thrown these two mixed messages. One, a real man is, is violent. A real man is like this macho, kind of that machismo attitude. But at the same time, like you don't have to step out. You play it safe, just play the video games, etc. And for the girls, you're, you have to figure out how to be not too much, but just enough so that somehow that guy that you've had a crush on for the last three years will finally realize that you are stalking him, not you like him. Okay, so. <laughs> These things, it, it feels crippling. Right? If you have a crush on somebody and you don't know what to do, it feels crippling. I can't tell you how many conversations I had with guys and they're like, so uh, what about a, <clears throat> if I liked a girl, uh, <clears throat> what, what should I say? <laughs> you know, and the girls, it's the exact opposite. You know, it's like 29 minutes later and she's still just describing how she likes the way their names look together. And I'm like, sweetheart, like, you know, we don't know what to do, and we're so scared that we're going to get it wrong. So let's talk about, I know, the, like the lies and all of that stuff that's depressing because we don't, we don't want to look at it. We don't want to. And it's, it terrifies us, this idea that we may be too broken to be in a relationship or that the other person, whoever they are out there, like floating around in the universe somewhere, that they may be too broken and maybe we'll never find each other. And there's this idea of soulmates, right? This idea that if you are not at the right place at the right time, like if you're in the library and you've been waiting for your soulmate to walk up, but you have to take a bathroom break and he walks by, there's no hope left for you, right? Like, how, how horrible is that? That's terrifying. So there's so much fear that we're constantly facing. And the reason that we're facing that fear is because we are fighting against powers and principalities. And since the very beginning, the lie that has pierced our hearts to the core has been the lie 
that for some reason, our God was going to hold out on us. That something about him wasn't trustworthy, that there's something that we have to grasp at. And if only we can just, you know, like, okay, Jesus, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're, you're great. You just, you do such a great job with the things that you do. I have some suggestions for you, <laughs> right? Like, uh, I just, if I you just let me, like, I know you're all powerful and I'm not more or less. And I know that you are like all knowing and I'm not, but more or less. So I've, I just, I have some suggestions or if you just let me, listen, you just let me control this one part. Like you just let me, you can literally have everything else, but my, my love life, um, can I just, can I just have that one part, right? <laughs> The lie from the very beginning has been this lie that our God does not want the best for us, that he will hold out on us, that somehow the deepest desires of our heart will go misunderstood, unacknowledged, unfulfilled. And in order to just weed, 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 what is the word I'm looking for? What? Weave. Thank you. I'm like, weed. That's not the right word. <laughs> if you become a public speaker, you will immediately lose your ability to form coherent sentences. So <laughs> he will weave these lies in. And for guys, it manifests in those like stereotypical ways that we're so tired of hearing about, but it's real. Because we sit here in the talks and we're like, for crying out loud, stop talking about it. But then we're alone in our rooms. And that's the stuff that hits. What is the solution to this? The solution is something that has become a catchphrase, a little cliche, a Steubenville theme. It's heroic virtue. The answer, the practical answer to how do I get the love that I'm looking for is heroic virtue. The answer to how do I know if this person is right for me or not is heroic virtue. What in the world does that actually mean? I want to give you guys, I, I want to talk briefly about what virtue looks like in the abstract, and then we'll talk about what it looks like in relationships, okay? Yeah. So as a whole, virtue is, what is virtue? Come on, guys. Philosophy majors, theology majors, what is virtue? Help me out. A habitual disposition towards the good. Are you a catechetics major? Okay. <laughs> I was. So <laughs> good job. That's awesome. It's a habitual disposition towards the good. This stuff sounds really lofty, but what does it mean? A few years ago, I was praying and I realized I was convicted in my heart that my entire life, I had sought to do virtuous things because I wanted to do the right thing. Not a bad reason. But then that's the, that's the moment when you realize that you're feeling pressure, like, oh, I should have prayed my rosary, and now I feel guilty about it because I didn't pray my rosary. Instead of, I want to pray my rosary. I miss praying my rosary today. That habitual disposition towards the good is when your heart becomes actually conformed by your habitual choices, your heart becomes conformed to the heart of our God. It transforms who we are, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, sometimes physically, depending on which virtue you're working on. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> uh, 
when we're looking at ourselves and asking, are we ready to date? What we need to be asking ourselves practically is, am I actively on the path towards growing in virtue? Am I putting myself in, in places to grow in virtue? And what does that look like? How can I judge that? And how can I judge if another person is virtuous? There are four characteristics that I want to offer you to look for in yourself, in your own heart, and also four characteristics to look for in the other person, okay? So if you're asking yourself, is this the right guy or is this the right girl? We're asking, are they virtuous? The first characteristic of a virtuous person is sacrificial love, okay? How cheesy can you get? Sacrificial love. What does that look like practically? It's not just that a person is willing to throw themselves in front of a moving vehicle for you. That, I mean, thank you. But, <laughs> but it's also those smaller things, right? So as a woman, if I'm looking at a guy and I'm trying and he wants to pursue me and I'm asking myself, like, do I want to move forward in this or not? The question that I need to be asking is, is he a person who is actively forming habits of sacrificial love? When is that most important? when no one else is there, when no one else is there. Because it is so easy to be holy if everyone's watching, right? I'm the only one who has that problem? Okay, awkward. So, <laughs> those little things, like does this person, guy or girl, do they go out of their way to be kind to, to the people that would be inconsequential to them? Does this person, guy or girl, fulfill their commitments? Is this a person who has a prayer life on their own? Outside of household, Lord forbid, <laughs> outside, of, outside of the like the coming to the events and doing all of the Franciscan things, does this person have a, a habit of seeking the Lord and seeking to fall in love with them? And the sacrifice that that takes, sacrificial love. The second characteristic to look for, <laughs> I love that you guys are writing things because you're like, uh-huh. <laughs> so, number two. The second characteristic to look for is consistency. That, that habit. They're doing sacrificial things, but it's not just that once every now and then. This is a person. I want to be a person. Pray for me. I want to be a person who consistently does these things. I want my entire life, I want to look back 10 years from now, and I want it to be impossible to imagine waking up in the morning and not taking time for prayer. You know, like I want, I want to live my life in such a way that these things become integrated with who I am. Integrated. I want to be a woman of integrity. The third characteristic is humility which is a virtue in itself, thank you, I know. So <laughs> humility, this person, whoever they are, you know that they're serious about their walk with Christ if they have accountability. Thank you, households. But if they have accountability, and not just, not just for things like purity, but for everything, that in any aspect of their lives, we will be men and women who say, I need help with this. I am so little that I, I don't, I don't work out. I don't work out ever and I want to work out. So please hold me accountable. So I was like using that as a hypothetical example, but some of you went, oh, so <laughs> I can't read souls. It was just a big thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 
maybe need to pray about it, whatever. So <laughs> everything that we would be held accountable. And you know why that you know why you can tell if they're being held accountable by looking for humility? Why those things are, are something that wow, words. Why those things are connected, thank you. <laughs> it's because in order to do that, you have to look at someone and say, hey, I need help. You're looking for a virtuous person. You're looking for someone who can say, hey, I need help. And the fourth characteristic. So we have, what's the first characteristic? Sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. Second? Third? Humility. And the fourth characteristic is confidence. Confidence. Because if you have worked on all of those things, if you are seeking virtue, it takes your eyes off of you. And it puts your eyes on Jesus Christ. Virtuous men and women have their eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. Virtuous men and women are the men and women who have acknowledged the call to walk out on the water. And they are so fixated on our Savior that even in the moments when they sink, He's the one they call out for. The four characteristics of a virtuous person. <clears throat> so, what does that look like in a relationship? You guys doing okay? <laughs> Virtue's hard. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> the, in a relationship, in a relationship, we are called to love another person uniquely for who they are. Duh. <laughs> so, how do we prepare ourselves for that here and now? Not only are we being attacked as individuals, not only are we being attacked as men and women, but we are being specifically attacked when it comes to our ability to give ourselves freely to the other person. Satan wants us to be trapped in such a way that we cannot give ourselves freely. The main thing that people think of when they think of an inability to give is sins of lust, right? Head nods. Nobody wants to nod their head for that. <laughs> right. This, we think of lust and we think that it's like the worst thing ever, that it's like the worst sin possible. The reality is that it's, it's just really flashy. You know, it's, it's the flashy sin. So it's not like the, uh, we confuse quantity for quality. In our culture, there's a high quantity of lust, but it's not a quality sin. That's probably heresy. There's no such thing as like a quality sin. <laughs> Sorry, forgive me. I'll go to confession after this. <laughs> but okay, so we think of we think of these sins of lust, but it's because this stuff is everywhere in our culture. It's everywhere. You can't turn on the TV, you can't walk down the street without being bombarded with the idea that lust is supposed to play a part in your day-to-day -day life. How many of you were at the Fight the New Drug presentation? Just so I know. Okay, so we've talked about pornography. Not everyone, though, so I want to go over this just a little bit. Fight the New Drug came here and they gave a presentation on pornography in our culture and specifically about the scientific effects of pornography on us as individuals. I want to bring this up because quantity and quality, right? So quantity and lack of quality. Um, when we look at the struggles that we're being faced with, the reality is that pornography has invaded our world. 
and that it's one of the main tools that Satan is trying to use to destroy our ability to give ourselves freely. I've had personal experience with this. It's part of my testimony that the Lord has brought me through a a decade-long lust addiction, and that he has shown me the the truth and the love that we're made for. And so now part of what I do with the Culture Project is I speak about the, the reality that even though pornography can feel like it's the most oppressive thing in the entire world, and it is, that there is freedom and there is hope. And so when we're looking at relationships, there's a reality that men and women are being attacked by this concept of lust and specifically by pornography. And so just briefly, I want to go over some of the the truths about pornography so that we can experience freedom. The first thing that we need to know about pornography is that it is addictive. You guys, can I like just, I need you to work with me so that I'm not like just telling you things that you've heard a million times. So we know that pornography is addictive. Yes. Okay. Not everybody, but some. Okay. Pornography is, it's addictive and it rewires our brains. So a man or a woman who is struggling with pornography addiction has actually had their brain rewired in such a way that it, it blinds us. It blinds us to the good of the other. Now, I'm not going to go too much into this because Fight the New Drug already did, but I do want to propose a couple of things to you. The first is that if you want to be free from pornography or any other addiction, you have to know that you're loved. If we want to be free, we have to know that we are loved. If we want to be free, if we want to be free from the lies that I mentioned earlier, if we want to be free from addiction, if we want to be free from our fear, we have to know and believe that we are loved. And the second thing that we have to do is we have to root ourselves in reality and in beauty. Reality and in beauty. Bear with me because I'm laying a foundation here for the practical, like, this is how you hold a girl's hand. I'm not going to tell you how to do that. But <laughs> Sorry. Maybe stay after. I don't know. So <laughs> if you need that much help, then talk to somebody else. So <laughs> we need to be rooted in, what are the two things we need to be rooted in? Reality and beauty. We need to be rooted in reality and beauty. Why does this matter? We just talked about virtue. Our God has given us a specific virtue to safeguard love. And that is the virtue of chastity. The virtue of chastity, which sounds like such a, it's so cliche now to talk about chastity, right? Like everybody goes to the chastity talks, right? The virtue of chastity safeguards love because it roots us in reality. When we look at the catechism's definition of chastity, it talks about chastity as being rooted in reality, that it is the integration of reality. What does this mean for our dating relationships? It means that all of the impediments that we may be struggling with in trying to understand love and in trying to form relationships, the solution to them is to be rooted in reality. What does that look like practically? How many of you have ever read or heard of the evidential power of beauty? Okay, so people in philosophy classes. (laughs) The Evidential Power of Beauty. It's a a novel written by Father Thomas, it's not a novel, it's it's a book written by Father Thomas Dubois. And he talks about the fact that the the most powerful and most dangerous effect of sin is that it numbs us to real beauty. 
It numbs us of our ability to be moved in awe and wonder at the, the image of another, the, the reality of another person. So I want to propose something radical to you guys. I want to propose to you the idea of studying other people. This is different than stalking other people. <laughs> Very different. I want to propose to you the idea of studying other people. Because constantly, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we are bombarded with false images of humanity. I'm not just talking about photoshopped girls or photoshopped guys. I'm talking about the TV shows that show us something that's not real. I'm talking about the Nicholas Sparks guy. Earlier I was trying to figure out whether or not I thought Nicholas Sparks was a heretic, and I think he might be. But <laughs> it's like a false idea of love. I don't know. I'm working with it. Don't quote me on that. I think they're recording me. This isn't good. So, <laughs> guys, we're constantly bombarded with these false concepts of reality. How many of you girls have heard the concept of emotional chastity? <laughs> I, I felt the tension that was just thrown at me. Never say those words again, okay? Why do we talk about emotional chastity? It's because it's hard to live in reality, right? It's hard to live in reality. Not just with our emotions and our hearts, but literally in our minds. Because what we are filled with shapes what we desire. What we are filled with shapes what we desire. And we have to fight this. As Catholics, as this, this generation, the people in this room, look around you real quick, awkwardly, make eye contact with another person. Perfect. Good job. Back up here. Wow, they're waving. This is like, suddenly became very interactive. <laughs> The reality is that the men and women in this room, when I look at you, I want you to know that I see a greatness that is indescribable. I want you to know that when I look at you, I don't just see college kids and some people who maybe graduated college a couple years ago or more. Um, I don't just look at you and see, I don't just look at you and see a random group of people. When I look at you, when the Culture Project looks out at this world, we see the reality that our God has written a destiny for you that only you can fill. And the reality that in a, in a spiritual sense, in a supernatural realm, your souls are being fought for. My soul is being fought for. And the best thing that we can do to defeat the father of lies is to root ourselves in reality and specifically the reality of the goodness of every single person, every detail of our God's creation. If you want to be free from an addiction to pornography, study real beauty. So what does that look like? It means that instead of so, you know, how easy is it to talk to someone you have a crush on? <laughs> you could talk to them for 17 hours straight and not even need coffee, right? Like, which is like the nectar of life. So, um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> when you have a crush on someone, when you're getting those warm, fuzzy feelings, it is so easy 
to spend all day staring straight into their eyes and having deep conversation. When someone is annoying to you, you're like, uh-huh, yeah, so I, I have to go be at a place with the person that's other than here, I'm leaving, you know? <laughs> what if we train ourselves to see the beauty of that person? We're trying so hard to find a love that's forever and exclusive, but we are bound by a world that shows us a love that is temporary. Eros and Deus Caritas S. Uh, Pope Benedict speaks about Eros, and he says that it is, Eros is that love of desire. He says that it is the love that imposes itself on other people. So it's the love of attraction. When you fall in love, you are falling into Eros. You are falling into attraction. But then it's hard to maintain. And the way that we do that is by focusing on the good of every other person. So well, let's do that. Let's look at the beauty of a woman who's not wearing makeup and see God's face in her. Have you ever looked at old people? That's a weird question. <laughs> have you ever looked at old people? Right? Okay, so have you ever looked at an, an elderly person? <laughs> How many of you have ever seen... Never mind, that's a bad question. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, how many of you have ever seen a really, really attractive, really, really old person? <laughs> That's a terrible question to ask, but it's <laughs> <is> pretty bad. <laughs> okay, yeah, thanks. But let's think about that for a second. Guys, I hate to tell you this, but in like 60 years... You know, that's us. So <laughs> the people, the person you have a crush on, add 80 years. Can you still look that person in the eye and choose to be in love? Can you still look that person in the eye and choose to be in love? What if we study beauty the way that God sees it? What if we allow our hearts to focus on virtue as our goal? And then to study a virtuous person who may not fit the characteristic type of what's attractive. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we focus on rooting ourselves in reality. We focus on filling ourselves with beauty. We focus on seeking virtue with everything that we are. And now we're ready to give. Now, do you have to be perfect to be in a relationship? <laughs> no. <laughs> Guys, I don't know if you, so what's your name? What, what's your name? What's his name? He doesn't have a name, but if you guys could just keep an eye on him, he's going to need some help, like after class, okay? So, <laughs> okay. So let's take this and make it really, really practical, okay? We're looking for virtue. We're seeking to root ourselves in beauty. We're acknowledging that we are not perfect and we don't have to be perfect but we should be seeking these things with everything that we are. And now you get to take all of that and try to figure out having a crush. <laughs> so really practically, let's say that you are a guy who is seeking virtue with everything that you are, giving 100% of yourself. And you see a girl. And she looks kind of like an angel, but maybe more like the Virgin Mary, but you can't tell because the light from the port is just like shining on her in just the right way. And so, 
And then she turns around and you make eye contact and you can't function anymore and you're not sure why, but she's really pretty. So <laughs> some practical tips. My brothers, I want to tell you a secret about women. Okay, you ready? <laughs> they've, got the, they've got the pens. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, do I need to tattoo this onto my body? Like, I, I want to remember it. I don't know. A secret about women. Written into our hearts on a level that is so deep that sometimes we're not even sure, we're not even aware that it's there. Written into our feminine heart is the understanding that you are made for greatness and for leadership. And the closer that a woman gets to Jesus Christ, the more her heart is formed in such a way to follow the leadership of a man of God. So what are we waiting for? We're waiting for you to be bold. Tara, <laughs> we are waiting. The girls are like, yes! <laughs> okay, now they're streaking. <laughs> We are waiting for you to be bold. And not just in romantic relationships, but as a whole. And so I want to give you a practical tip to lead the women in your life. Are you ready? These three letters are going to change your entire world. D-T-R. <laughs> Raise your hand if you know what that means. Guys, define the relationship. Amen? Hallelujah. Define the relationship. What does that mean? It means that if you have a crush on a girl and you're not sure if she likes you and you can't really tell if she knows that you like her and you're not sure what to do so you just kind of follow her all the time or like <laughs> look at her all the time or like say words to her some of the time. If you're not sure what to do, and some of you, you guys are like, no, I'm way more suave than that. Okay, <laughs> what, wherever you are on the spectrum, guys, I want to tell you something else about femininity. We've already figured it out. We know that you like us. It's called intuition. <laughs> All the girls are like, yes. So, so what's happened is if you have a crush on a girl and you're trying to be subtle and you haven't like just said it out loud yet, she knows but she doesn't know if you like her in a way that's like, I'm going to stalk you and then never do anything about it. Or if you like her in a way that's like, listen, I want to marry you. Or like, we don't know that part. So we need you to use your words and define the relationship. What else does this mean? This is where it gets really scary. This is where you have to be really bold. It also means that if you think that a woman likes you, if you think that she has a crush on you, and you don't have feelings for her, even if you don't have feelings for her, but you can't really tell and you're not really sure what's going on, define the relationship. Let her know. You're not trying to lead her on, okay, cool, you're a good guy. I believe you. You're incredible men of God. I cannot even tell you how grateful I am that you are here in this building trying to figure out how to be holy. I can't tell you how impressed I am with you. So lead these women in your life. If you think she has a crush on you, let her know where you stand. What does that sound like practically? I can see you're all like, what do I say? So what does that sound like practically? 
If you have a crush on a girl and you're wanting to talk to her, just say that. It doesn't have to be suave. It doesn't have to be the perfect words. We're not all Nicholas Sparks fans. He may or may not be a heretic. So you don't have to do <laughs> I'm gonna get fired. <laughs> you don't have to sound like him. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be you. Because women of God just want you to be you. Rooted in reality, a woman who has spent hours of her life staring at Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity, wants you to be you, to be real. So tell her how you feel. And if you don't feel attracted to her and you think she might, then just tell her. Like, hey, I don't want to make this weird. I don't want to make it awkward. I'm sorry if I'm wrong. I, like, you take that, you put that burden on you, the way that Christ carried his cross, you will honor your sisters like in, in an indescribable way. Hey, I don't know what's going on. Just wanted to throw this out there. I think of you as a sister. And I'm so grateful for you in that way. But I didn't want to lead you on. Girls, can I get some head nods if that would be awesome? Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so the first thing for my gentlemen, brothers, men, folk, you guys, is to, <laughs> is to define the relationship. And it just gets... It, I was going to say it just gets easier from there, but that's not true. So, <laughs> and then everything's easy in relationships. No, but the, but the truth is that once you have established that leadership, you have taken a step that most men never take. And you can carry that on throughout the rest of it. If you have a crush on a girl, plan the date. Ask her out, use all the words. Hi, I think you're pretty. I want to buy you coffee. Done, did it, accomplished, mission, check. And guys, this is something, this is a huge thing. Do y'all know about casual dating? Yeah. Are we, okay, I'm like, this is something that we talk about on this campus regularly now. When I was here, it was like, so here are your options. Decide who you wanna marry and marry them, done. It's like, what? <laughs> so, casual dating, if you have a crush on somebody, you wanna to get to know them better, take them out for coffee. Or take them out for something else that's fun. You don't have to know whether or not you want to marry them. Take that pressure off. And the way to do that is communicating with very honest sentences. What do you want from this woman? Tell her, it'll be great. Then you plan a fun date, know what you're wanting to do. Know, know, like show her who you are in that date. She wants to know. If you like rock climbing, take her rock climbing. First, tell her that she should wear clothes for rock climbing. If she shows up in a pretty dress and you take her rock climbing, you're not doing well, okay? <laughs> like tell a friend, tell, you know, like ask, ask one of your friends who are a girl, is a girl, there you go. Ask her what she should wear and then tell the girl something like that. Help her plan her outfit, she'll appreciate it. So plan the date and then consistently communicate. When it comes to being in a relationship, communicate the boundaries. I want to ask you to do this as my brothers. Step up and be the one to communicate how far you're going to go in that relationship. Practically speaking, where do you draw the line in a dating relationship? Really simple. There's a difference between affection, which is a simple display of love that doesn't tempt you to use the other person, and arousal. Arousal is not a bad thing, but it's meant for marriage. Draw the line there, and, and then you've kept her safe. You have honored her dignity. Ask her what her boundaries are, and respect them, uphold them, give your life for them. 
one time I was talking to, there was a guy who was interested in me and I communicated to him that I wasn't going to be kissing him. I, I, that was just my boundary at the time. It's where I was. And he looked back at me and he was like, we'll see about that. And I was like, mm, no, done. <laughs> you, know, like, you did not do, you did not say the right thing. Maybe you should read Nicholas Sparks. I don't know. But <laughs> on the other hand, one time I dated a man, one time I dated a man and I told him that that was my boundary. Not only did he respect it, but he looked me in the eyes and said, I would rather die than use you. And then he followed that up with his actions for the rest of our relationship. <laughs> the girls are like, <laughs> where is he? <laughs> Gentlemen, if you communicate those boundaries, you have set her free. If you set yourself up as the frame, you set her free to be that beautiful picture and she will mesmerize you with the way that she reveals Christ to you. The way that she honors your boldness and your courage. Girls, it's not just all on them. When it comes to dating, we have been given an incredible gift of communication. Now, here's the tricky part. We have to use our words. Sometimes we want guys to know what we want without telling them because they just should, but then they don't. And that's very hard <laughs> because I can look at any girl in this room and I can tell you what she's feeling and I can tell you what she's thinking and I can tell you that these girls are like, I know I read your soul, I love it. I can literally, we can have a conversation for five minutes and say like 10 words and completely understand each other. Am I the only one girls or is this like a universal experience? Right, exactly. We get it. We look at a woman and I know who she is. I know what she wants. It's just there. And the guys are like, nah. <laughs> Like a joke, right? Like some kind of X-Men stuff. I don't know. Like <laughs> it's so true. And so here is a very practical tip, ladies. If you like a guy, let him know. What? <laughs> I'm not saying throw yourself at him. I'm not saying like literally throw yourself at him. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> all the girls just went. <laughs> I'm not saying that it isn't, I'm not saying initiate. I'm not saying take away his God-given right to initiate because we're scared of that, right girls? We're scared that if I let him know what I think or what I feel, that I'm leading and he's supposed to lead and then now he's emasculated and he'll never want to talk to me again. Like, we're so scared of this stuff, but it's okay to let a guy know that you like him. You can do that in a couple of ways. One, people don't go to hell if they flirt, I promise. You know, like you can flirt with him a little bit and smile at him, laugh at his jokes. It'll help him a lot, right guys? Am I like making this stuff up or is this useful? Guys are like, thank you. <laughs> or you can just tell him. Men love it when you just say things out loud. <laughs> it's so useful because they try. They try to figure it out. They do. God bless you guys. Really, like, Lord have mercy on you. But, like, if you just say it out loud, 
you will help them so much. So communicate that you communicate where you are, what you want. And a simple way to do that, a simple way to set him up to still be able to lead, maybe he doesn't know. Maybe he has no clue that you like him. It's possible. All the girls know that you like him, but maybe he doesn't, you know? <laughs> a simple way to do that is to be like, hey, I have really enjoyed spending time with you, but I'm not really sure what you're looking for in our friendship. Could you let me know? Done. Now, then he has to figure it out. He's terrified. And it's like, all of this stuff is scary, but it'll be okay. He, can, he will tell you. He will tell you, okay? Does that make sense? Are you with me on this? Like, we're, we're doing okay? Those are practicals to getting into a relationship. Once you get into a relationship, like I said, you want to respect those boundaries because you want to live in reality. It's not about saying no. You guys know this. Chastity isn't about saying no. It's about choosing real love. If you've spent your life studying beauty and rooting yourself in reality, then you're going to look at this other person. You've got all of these hormones and these feelings and this arrows going on. And you're like, I only love them forever. Words. I don't know. I just, this person's so good. When you have rooted yourself in reality and you've disposed yourself to choose the good of the other, when you are striving for those four characteristics of virtue and you see that in the other person, then setting boundaries in a relationship sets you free. It's not about repression, it's about freedom. So you set those boundaries in the physical relationship. Guys, in that relationship, there will never be a time where she doesn't want you to lead. And that is so intimidating. It is. But here's the trick. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus Christ. Make knowing him your one desire. Kierkegaard says that purity of heart is to will one thing. Purity of heart is to will one thing. If you will Jesus Christ to be the leader of your life, you can lead any woman anywhere and know that she is safe with you. And she will follow you if you are following him. Am I right, girls? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> okay. In that relationship, keep open communication going. Constantly be communicating what is the reality of that moment for you and what you need. Girls, don't be scared to express your needs. I also want to speak specifically to the single hearts in this room, to those people who maybe are scared that they're not going to find someone, or maybe scared that they don't have what it takes. Because these are the lies that we hear, right? When we're alone, when we've had our hearts broken. The Psalms say that if you draw near to the Lord, he will satisfy the desires of our hearts. If we draw near to him, he will satisfy the desires of our hearts. It's not an arbitrary thing. It's not an abstract concept. It is the reality. It is the beauty. It is the only thing that our hearts beat for. It's what we live for. Only he can satisfy us. And it's hard because we ache for eternity. And the only thing that we have in front of us are broken humans that we constantly have to forgive because they're not Jesus. I am always forgiving people for not being Jesus. I'm like, you hurt my feelings because you're not Jesus. Like, our hearts are made for eternity and they will be satisfied. So to the single people in here, to my brothers and sisters who have ever struggled with the fear that maybe you're not enough or maybe you will never find the love that you're looking for. 
Know that the beloved, the one who is the satisfaction of all of our desires, has a plan. He has not abandoned or forsaken. He is a faithful God. Seek him with everything that you are. Seek him with everything that you are. And when you do that, then if he does unfold a story that involves you committing your life to another person, you will be able to love that person well. Over the summer, I was reading The Great Divorce, C.S. Lewis, and it's, uh, it's his take on purgatory. I just want to leave you with this. Um, it's his take on purgatory, and he, at one point, there is a woman who is trying to, um, they're trying to get her soul into heaven, essentially. And she's saying, well, I just, I can't go because my son, I love my son, and, and I need to be with him. And essentially what's happening is that her heart is so longing for this human love that she is blinded to the fact that the eternal love the satisfaction of everything that she is, is right in front of her. That literally all she has to do is take her eyes off of one and look to the other, and she will have the human that she loves in a fuller way. So here, in this talk on relationships, I've talked a lot about the abstract, and we have given some practical funny things. But what it comes down to dating, single, married, religious, is that we have to seek him like he's the only thing that matters because he is. And when we do that, we will be free to give ourselves and to receive the love that we long for. Can I pray with you guys? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come Holy Spirit. Teach us how to pray. Oh my God. You are all that is good. And you are all that is beautiful. And every single one of us in this room has ached for you. Every single one of us in this room is aching for you. We are homesick for you. There is a hole in our hearts that only you can fill. And so, Jesus, I ask that you speak to our hearts wherever we are. That if we fear failure, that you will speak courage. That if we doubt beauty, that you will speak truth. That if we are in bondage, you will break chains. Jesus Christ, send your Holy Spirit down on us. So that as we seek truth in relationship with each other, we will see you. Give us your eyes, Lord. Give us your eyes and your love and your freedom. And Jesus... Please bless Nicholas Sparks. <laughs> Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, guys. Faith and Reason Podcasts. New media for the new evangelization from Franciscan University of Steubenville. Find more at faithandreason.com.